Well, take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And in just a moment, uh, I want to read to you Hebrews 1, verse 14. We continue our series on spiritual warfare today, and normally I take one scripture and preach all the way through it, explain it, illustrate it, and apply it. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to take multiple scriptures and wrap them around one theme, and that theme is this, what the Bible says about angels. What the Bible says about angels. Now, let me just say, you can read today in a lot of different places about angels, and you'll read some really weird things. But the Bible is our authority when it comes to spiritual truth. And if you want to know what angels are really like, you need to read your Bible. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 from the New Living Translation says, but angels are only servants. They are spirits sent from God to care for those who will receive salvation. Angels are only servants. They are spirits sent from God to care for those who will receive salvation. Now, I can only imagine what some of you are thinking right now with all those empty blanks on your little sheet there, front and back. Well, I've got all of it filled in up here. So let's get started. First of all, I just want to tell you about the reality of angels. I started to go off into several things, but I said, you know what? Really only one thing for a Bible-believing Christian is necessary at this point. For you to believe in angels, there's only one thing you need to know. Jesus believed in angels. Jesus believed in them. How many of you want to believe what Jesus believed? Amen? Well, he believed in it. He said in Matthew 26, verse 53, or do you not, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? We read in Matthew 4, 11, that angels ministered to Jesus. Jesus obviously believed in angels. They were not fantasies to him. He believed in them, and whatever Jesus believed, I want to believe as well. So that's the reality of angels. The second thing will be a little bit longer, all right? Let's talk about Jesus and angels. Let's talk about his relationship with the angels. Very interestingly, several times in his life, prominently, angels had a big part in his life. First thing I'll mention is they announced his birth. Gabriel, to be specific, told Mary that she was chosen by God to be the mother of the Christ. We read about that. She was a virgin, and she wondered how that could be. Luke chapter 1, I'll just read verses 34 and 35. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, you know, a lot of people doubt the virgin birth. Well, it might be 
helpful to you to know that the first one to doubt the virgin birth was the virgin. (laughs) And uh, nevertheless, it was true. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, epirkamai, same word where it says the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child should be called the Son of God. So he announced the birth of Jesus. Angels did. And they also announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds in Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. That is, the shepherds were. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Now, I want to say this to you about every time you turn around, when an angel shows up, the first thing they have to say to these startled people is, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Let's all say that together. Glory to God in the highest. And then on earth, peace among men with whom God is pleased. Angels announced Jesus' birth. And then angels ministered to Jesus after his temptation. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. He was weary. He was hungry at the end of that time. And that's when Satan tempted him. I want to say this to you. Satan usually tempts you the most when you're at your weakest point. He will tempt you at your weakest point. And a lot of times uh, he'll wake you up in the night with a spirit of fear. A lot of times around three o'clock. And uh, it's amazing to me. How how many of you have ever awakened at three o'clock in fear? Anybody out there? A bunch of you have, you're doing like this. I get it, all right, yeah. (laughs) But Jesus is there with us to minister to us. And he'd been fasting. He was tired. And the Bible says, and this is a great verse to pray, by the way, Matthew 4, 11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. How many of you want the devil to leave you and the angels to come and minister to you? Amen. Pray and seek it out with the Lord. Angels ministered to Jesus when he needed some rest after he'd been tempted. Angels strengthened Jesus in times of prayer. The Bible says that Jesus, before he went to the cross, was in fervent prayer in Luke chapter 22. It's the only, it's only twice in the New Testament does the Bible call prayer a fervent prayer. The other is when the church was praying for Peter to be released in Acts chapter 12. And during Christ's prayer time, angels ministered to him. Look at Luke 22 on the screen there. And Jesus withdrew from them, his disciples, about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. I want to say this to you. Prayer and angels go together. 
Prayer and angels go together. Say that with me. Prayer and angels go together. Praying people will have, whether you see it or not, will have angels ministering to them at a level that prayerless people don't have. During Christ's prayer time, angels ministered to him. Verse 44, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently. There's that prayer, praying fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Jesus was agonizing in prayer, and that's when angels ministered to him. When you wrestle in prayer, God sends angels to minister to you as well. Angels are subject to Jesus' command. Judas had betrayed Jesus. They were in Gethsemane. Peter tried to defend the Lord by attacking one of the guards. That's to put it mildly, cut his ear off. But Jesus assured Peter he didn't need his help. How many of you know that God doesn't need our help? Does anybody know that? Matthew 26, 53, or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, that is, pray to my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus didn't need Peter to guard him. He had legions of angels ready to go. When Christ rose from the dead, angels proclaimed his resurrection. They were the first ones to proclaim Christ's resurrection. <clears throat> when the women came to put spices on Jesus' body, two angels greeted them. We read it in Luke 24. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, these are the angels, suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. Now, I want to say this to you. There's nothing inherent with an angel to give out a glow. They reflect the glow of God. So anything dazzling on them is simply the remnant of God's holiness. That's what it is. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? That's one of the greatest questions in the whole Bible. He is not here, but he has risen. Don't you know they were glad to be able to say that? Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. It was the angels that proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ before anyone else did. And then <coughs> it was the angels who also promised Jesus' return. Jesus gave his final marching orders to the church in Acts 1-8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses. And he gave them the layout from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and even to the, all the nations, the ends of the earth. And Jesus was caught up into the air in the clouds. And the angels came and gave a promise. We read in Acts 1, 9 through 11, after he had said these things, Jesus was lifted up. While they were looking on, a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men, these are angels, in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand literally gawking in the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up 
from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He went up in the clouds. He'll come back with the clouds. He'll return from heaven the same way he went up from heaven, the same way he went up into heaven. The angels said so. They promised his return. And Jesus, as we've heard this morning, is coming back. And then angels will accompany Christ at his return. There'll be a lot of angels when Jesus comes back. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deed. So, throughout Christ's ministry, angels ministered to him. Now let's talk about the characteristics of angels, some characteristics of angels. Characteristics is a long word. I'll let you write it down there. First of all, angels were created by God. They are not eternal beings in the sense that they do have a beginning, just like you and I have a beginning. They are not divine. They are created beings created by God, so they are not gods with a little g or with a big g. Colossians 1, 16 speaks about angels. It says, for by him all things were created. Say that with me. All things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, here it is now, or rulers or authorities. Those are the angels right there. All things have been created by or through him and for him. Isn't that beautiful? Paul said angelic beings were created by God. And then the angels who did not join in on Satan's rebellion obey God's will. They obey God's will. I'll read again the verse that we began with. In Hebrews 1.14, but angels are only servants, spirits sent from God to care for those who will receive salvation. You say, Brother Steve, do I have an angel? Yes, you do. Does he only work with you? I don't know. Some of you may have more than one angel. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But I believe that we have angels assigned to us. I believe that. They're created by God. They obey God's will. And they are also numerous. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that one-third of the angels fell into sin and became demons. But the good news is, out of that, there are two good angels for every one bad angel. Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. Now, a myriad is technically 10,000, but it just in the Bible, it refers to large groups. That's why the New Living Translation says this in Revelation 5, 11, then I looked again, John said, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions, that's myriads of myriads, 
of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. Angels are numerous. Again, more numerous than demons. And then they are personal beings. They have intelligence. They have emotions. And they have a will. We know that because Satan is an angel and he chose to disobey God. We see that they are personal beings when one of them came to rescue Peter out of jail in Acts 12, 7. And this is when the church was praying fervently for Peter. It says in the very next verse, Acts 12, 7, Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter's side. Now, you know, he, he had to be kind of careful that he could have broken all of his ribs. And he woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. He struck Peter, woke him up, told him to do something, and simultaneously knocked all the chains off. There's a real person, a personal being did that with power from God. As we go on, look at their characteristics. They are spirits without bodies. Angels are spirits without bodies. Now, they look like men, but they don't technically have a body. Acts 12, verse 10, when they had passed the first and second guard, this is the same incident when the angel came. We don't know who this angel was. They came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. Have you ever heard people say, God will open doors for you? Well, he was sure doing it for Peter, was he not? And they went out and went along one street. And I love this. And immediately the angel departed from Peter. Gates opened. As this spiritual being with the power of God upon him led Peter to freedom out of prison. Peter simply followed the angel until he was in safety. And as soon as the angel had finished the mission that God had given him, he just left. I love that. He didn't stick around and say, Peter, what do you think about that? Huh? No. All he wanted to do was obey the Lord. Oh, that we would serve God like that unnamed angel in Acts chapter 12. Just do the will of God for the glory of God alone. Amen. I'll amen myself. If you don't know when to do it, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Angels do not marry. Matthew twenty two thirty. for in the resurrection, people who've gone to heaven will neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, you know what that means? You're not going to be married in heaven either. Thank you for not saying amen there. Amen. You, <laughs> you exercise real judgment right there. <laughs> but angels don't marry. 
They don't interact in marriage. Again, the Bible refers to them almost, if not exclusively, almost. I, I've never heard any angel, I stand to be corrected, referred to without masculine pronouns. But Jesus told us that angels don't marry. Then they are awesome in appearance. Awesome in appearance. Again, every time they showed up, they had to settle everybody down saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Let me give you a man of God that spent more time with God in prayer than anybody else in the Bible. His name's Daniel. Prayed three times a day for about 60 years. Do the math on that sometimes. Do the math on that. It's tens of thousands of times of prayer. And the Bible says, even though he spent so much time with God in prayer, that the presence of God and the angel of God brought him to his knees in weakness. Reading Daniel 9, 21, one of my favorite verses, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. Then we go down to chapter 10, verses 10 and following. Then behold, a hand touched me. That's the angel's hand. And set me trembling on my hands and my knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I've been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Don't you be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. It took 21 days for him to get past all the demonic interference. But I want to tell you, the minute Daniel prayed, it was a done deal. I want to say this to you. Some of you have been waiting on answered prayer for a long time. You keep right on praying. You keep right on trusting. Even if God doesn't give you exactly what you want, he'll give you something even better if you knew everything about the situation that God does. You keep standing in prayer. Even if you don't see any response, help is on the way. Amen. Then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, on humbling yourself before your God, he was fasting at the time, your words were heard and I've come in response to your words. Our words are important. God hears our words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me. That's a demon, a demonic leader. He was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I've been left, I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. This is another angel. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord, talking about himself, talk with such as my Lord? How can I talk to an angel as for me? There remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, 
May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Do you not see that these angels are so awesome in their appearance, they will literally sap the physical strength out of you. If God doesn't replenish it, you have no hope. And that's just the reflection of God. Think about what it's going to be like to be in the complete glory of God. Angels are superior to man. I know some of you don't believe that, but they are when it comes to strength. That's not to say that angels are more important than people. It's not to say that angels are superior to man as far as their importance to God. Angels are not God's highest creation. Men and women are, boys and girls. But angels are superior to us in several ways. Physically, they are stronger. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 19. And they are spiritually stronger. They have never sinned. At least two-thirds of them have not. Hebrews 2, verses 6 and 7 says, But one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. Angels are greater in strength and in wisdom than people. And then angels are not to be worshipped. Anytime anybody tried to worship an angel, the angel told them not to. Revelation 22, I, John, am one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me all these things. But he said to me, don't do that. I can just imagine saying, get up from there, man. What's wrong with you? I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. We don't worship people and we don't worship angels. We worship God. Amen. We don't worship preachers. We don't worship singers. We don't worship leaders. We worship God. Amen. People will fail you. God won't. And then angels marvel at salvation. 1 Peter 1, verse 12, it was revealed to them, the Old Testament prophets, that they were not serving themselves but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The Old Testament prophets gave revelations, future revelations regarding Jesus Christ. They prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he'd be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, that he'd be born as God's eternal word in the flesh, that he would live a sinless life. They prophesied that he'd die a sacrificial atoning death and that he would offer himself up as a propitiation and atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind and that he would be buried, but he'd be raised from the dead and he would ascend back to heaven and reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus. And that's what angels still marvel at and we sometimes yawn at. You can talk about the virgin birth of Jesus and Christians will yawn. You can talk about his atonement and Christians will yawn. But angels, oh no, no, no. Those are things that they long to study, long to evaluate, long 
to look into. Those are some of the things about angels you need to know. They marvel at salvation. Now, as quickly as possible, let's look at the organization of angels. There's not a lot about that. I do believe that the same organization that we find of the demonic spirits over in Ephesians chapter 6, I think that's just a copy of what took place in God's order of angels. But I'll give you what the Bible says forthrightly. First of all, there is the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it'll call, you'll see an, an angel of the Lord. But sometimes in the Old Testament, for instance, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham on top of the mountain and he was offering up Isaac, that was no ordinary angel of the Lord. I believe that was the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis 22, 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, don't stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. The angel of the Lord. And then there are chief angels or archangels. Some people believe there's only one. I believe there are more than one. Daniel 10, verse 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me. That's Gabriel speaking. For 21 days, then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, at the rapture of the church, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there are chief angels and there are arch archangels. And then there are rulers and authorities. We read about those a while ago in Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him, or by him, and for him. And then there are cherubim. I am is Hebrew, plural. A cherub is one. Cherubim are multiple cherubs. They seem to focus on the glory of God. That's all I have time to talk about them. Genesis 3, 24. So God drove the man out. This is after the first sin. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim. Don't say there's an angel Watch, no, no, there, there are multiple angels guarding that place and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. But do you know who the, tree of, the way to the tree of life is? His name is Jesus, amen? So aren't you great, glad you know? Then there are seraphim, again, multiple seraphs. They seem to focus on worshiping the Lord. That's not the only thing they do, but that's what it seems to be that they focus on. Isaiah 6, seraphim stood above him, God, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. That's out of worshiping holy God. He's too holy to look upon. Two, he covered his feet, standing on holy ground. With two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's something about the organization. Now, finally, let's talk very quickly about the functions of angels. What do they do? Well, they do a lot. 
First of all, they worship the Lord. And I believe that if you want to know how to worship God, look at the angels. Revelation 5, 11, and 12. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And when they get through that, they say it again. And when they get through that, they say it again. Some of y'all don't like to sing the same song two weeks in a row. But when you see Jesus, you're going to be so overwhelmed for all eternity, you're just going to be just, just spilling out the same stuff, all, but it's going to be glorious. They worship the Lord. They also serve the Lord. <clears throat> Remember what the angel said to John when John bowed down to him in Revelation 22, verse 9, but he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant of yours. Angels are fellow servants with us and your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God, but serve the Lord. And then they give direction to God's people. They direct God's people. Philip was a deacon, full of the Holy Spirit. And he was guided by an angel and also the voice of the Lord to go and witness to the Ethiopian eunuch. We read in Acts 8, 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up, go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. Sometimes God, I believe still, uses angels to speak to our hearts. We may just think it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it is. It can be either. But I believe angels still direct God's people. This is a desert road. And then angels protect God's people. Now, a big old amen belongs right there. Psalm 91, verse 11. Read this with me from the screen, please. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Let's read it again. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I pray that every day for my family. No evil will befall us. That's the verse before it. No plague will come near our dwelling. God, give your angels charge concerning us to guard us in all of our ways. Matthew 18, 10. So that you do not despise one of these little ones. That's young people. For I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. I believe that all of us have angels around. If we could see the spirit realm right now, I believe we'd hit the deck. If you could just see the spirit realm all around you, God protecting you. How many times God has protected you in multiple ways, protected you from danger, protected you from bad decisions that you made. No amens there, right? <laughs> Protecting you from people who want to do you harm. 
because you love Jesus Christ. Yea, protecting you from Satanists and witches who cast their spells. But every curse will be turned into a blessing. The Bible promises. Matthew 18.10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Angels protect God's people. And then also, at times, they inflict God's judgment. I made mention of an angel, one angel, what he did to the Assyrian army. In one night, Isaiah 37, 36, then the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men rose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. He didn't kill all of them, but enough to make sure that they knew that it was not the armies of Judah. It was the armies of heaven. It wasn't even an army. It was one angel. One angel. And then, this is my, one of my favorites. Angels, escort. How many of you have one last blank to fill in? Anybody? All right, yeah. They escort Christians to heaven. Oh, now that's good. Luke 16, 22. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. I've had people ask me, do you think you've ever encountered an angel? And I don't talk about this. In fact, I don't know that I've ever shared this with you. I felt the liberty to do that today. In 1999, Don and I took a group to Israel from Gardendale. In 1999, our children were still at home. It was a very busy time in our lives. Have you ever seen that commercial where the guy kept going in and out of his house until he finally met himself coming in and going out? That's the way it felt. Our church was growing, and we were very busy, had a lot going on in life. And I didn't become tired of the ministry, but I became weary in the ministry. I didn't want to quit, but I was just worn out. And so we went to Israel. I was tired. Jet lag didn't help it. Took about 80 people, two buses. At the end of the tour, we always go to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed so fervently that he broke out in a sweat. Some people believe it was blood. Some believe it was sweat-like 
blood. That's what the Greek says. It was dropping down like drops of blood. Sweat was. But regardless, it was agonizing, fervent prayer. And the Bible says that angels ministered to him there. There's a church over the rock where purportedly Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do we have a picture of that? Yeah, there's the rock right there. Now, this was one of the first times I'd ever been to this part. And it's in a Catholic church. And I was, there's a rail all around it where you can kneel down and pray. But as I was praying, a man in a robe came by and uh, looked like a Catholic priest to me and uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, he didn't say anything, he just pointed to the rock. In other words, would you like to come in? And I nodded yes, it was very quiet. And I went down and I got down on my knees and that didn't seem like that was far enough. I got down on my elbows, that didn't seem good enough. And I got down on my face and I laid my body next to that metal that's right by that rock. Donna came in. One of our pastors, David Jett, one of my best friends came in. And they laid hands on me and, I, and they prayed. And I, I prayed. And after I finished praying, walked out. We were gathering everybody together. And I looked at Donna and I said, I, I really appreciate you praying with me. I, I can't believe that that man in that robe, let me in there. She said, what man? I said, the guy, and I described him fully. She said, well, I didn't see him. I looked at David Jett. I said, did you not see the man that opened the gate for me? He said, no, we just saw you walking in. Nobody else saw what I saw. Now, does that make me a liar? I hope not. (laughs) I know what I saw. I would never tell you that if I didn't see it. Does that make me more spiritual than anybody? No, (laughs) not at all. Angels showed up to a lot of people in the Bible. And I'll guarantee you, if you know the Lord, I would just almost guarantee you that you've encountered an angel and you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it and may not know it till you get to heaven. And I don't tell this story much because I don't want somebody thinking that, you know, I'm anything. I know what I am. I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell, but I am a saved person also who sometimes sins. I believe you need to think both ways. I don't know all there is to know about life and 
death and angels and demons, all that. But I do know that there is an invisible world that is more real than this visible world. And it affects what happens here just like this world affects what happens there. There are two realms. And I also know that one of these days, if that wasn't an angel, if it was just a stealthy, uh, real shy priest, I don't know. I know this one day, and you too, if you know Jesus, you're going to look up and an angel is going to say, let's go. Let's go. It's time. It's time. That's called death for a Christian. Let's go. And your spirit and your soul will go with him into heaven.